0: don't tap presents the couch versus the coach a new podcast that bars your favorite capper against your favorite coach the hardcore versus the fighter the homework versus the real work they go head-to-head making picks and you benefit new year new show let's fucking go
1: i'm glad to try to get this going the idea um is to have you know cappers content creators Hardcore fans go up with their picks against fighters, coaches, promoters, um, and and come with two different sort of, I guess, intellects to it. The idea is, you know, having a fighter who steps in the cage and doing the real work really knows how fights break down. But having somebody who maybe has been a hardcore fan for 20 plus years, who's broken down tape and and understands some ins and outs. And it's an interesting idea. I wanted to bring it to the fold and, and sort of see what we could do with it. So... Mike Harrington of the BYM podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the couch versus the coach. Welcome to the Don't Tap Podcast.
2: Bro, the honor's all mine. Thanks so much for having me. And this is like this is a super fun idea because I talk to Bisping every week and like that guy couldn't tell you like what a plus one twenty underdog it. You know what I mean? Like it all goes over. He knows everything about fighting and nothing about gambling. So I feel like the fact that I've been a degenerate for like going on 20 years now, I might. I might just have uh, have an edge in this thing.
1: But then there's the fighters that have the breakdowns. And then on top of that, might also like making some picks and stuff too. And we got TJ Laramie in here, um, former UFC fighter, BTC champion. Uh, TJ Laramie, welcome to Couch vs. the Coach. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to go through some picks for UFC 297. And here is how the game goes. You come with your three best picks. We'll go tit for tat, back and forth. If your pick is just just straight up your pick, no matter what the, the line is, it's worth one point if it hits. If your pick is anywhere from a minus 100 or an even number all the way up to plus 199, whether it's a prop, whether it's an underdog, whatever it is, you get two points. Anything over plus 199 is three points. So if you pick a prop, like say you go Mike Mallott, you're like, but you know what? I like Mike Mallott's submi- submission. That's going to be a very popular one. Uh, Mike Mott's submission right now is plus 130. If that's going to be the play, Neil Magny likes to get choked, that's a possibility, right? So that would be worth two points if it hits. If you just went Mike Mott straight up, even though it's pretty chalk, you get one point for it. So we'll go tit for tat. We will go with uh, the fighter first. TJ Laramie, you bring your first piece to the table for UFC 297. What's your first pick?
0: Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Strickland. Um...
1: Decision. I'll, I'll go decision for that. Wow. Okay, so Sh- Strickland decision. So du- Dup C comes forward and with the pressure, but you think Strickland's going to be able to what out, stretch that out and just
0: yeah. Get- honestly, other than his very last performance, I feel like Dreykus, prior to the Whitaker fight didn't really look overly impressive. Like leading up, like that. There's a reason he was a pretty heavy underdog in the Whitaker fight, which I mean, like can we just like dilute that down to maybe he just got that one shot in you know what i mean like you don't really know and it was only like a a round and a half of fighting i believe so the whole cardio thing with Drykus i don't really know if that's still an issue or not like you can people can go on and on about have his septum got fixed all this but over five rounds i don't really know how it's going to hold up you know i think Strickland kind of is just going to be beating him up for five rounds in my opinion and,
1: and that is a wrinkle that a fighter could bring to the fold because you look at the, a guy like Drickus, one great night, he could be on point, really on point, and Whitaker's just off. And, you know, you could have an off night. You could have a night where just things aren't lined up right. You can't quite get it going in the cage. And I don't know that. Harrington will never know. but well, actually, Harrington, you stepped in and boxed, though. But that's where the professional fighter is going to bring that wrinkle to the fold where we see that, you know, with Drickus, um, he, his, his striking is a little bit sloppy. He's there to be hit. And if his only weapon is pressure, He's going up against Sean Strickland. It's going to be a battle of who who can win the pressure. It's going to be very interesting. And we may actually get to see Strickland, um, the, the mystical unicorn Strickland on the ground with his grappling. So it'll be interesting. Harrington, um, if you have a thoughts on that, you can drop some thoughts on that. If not, take it away with your next spot or it's with your
2: first spot. Just, it's so funny to me when you bring up like the boxing that I've done. Cause I get to Lord that over like radio nerds, but I'm here against the guy who's beaten <laughs> Charles Jordan in a fight. So don't ever talk about my fighting, uh, when we're amongst real fighters. Um, but the, what I will tell you, I, I, that's crazy. Cause I was going to go the exact opposite. Um, mm-hmm. my, my best bet was not this one, but I figure since we are talking about the main event, um, Drikas is, he's, a, he's an underdog in this, so I don't have to pick decision, knockout, or, or submission, anything like that. I can just take the dog uh, for two points here, and I think that's where I'm going to go. I, I understand what you're saying as far as, you know, uh, uh, Drikas not looking the best, but that's actually what, what makes me lean towards him, right? Because the Darren Till fight, he goes out in the first round, looks like a house on fire. That second round, he gets absolutely dominated. You're like, all right, Darren Till might be back, <laughs> right? Rodriguez needs to get it done in the third round comes out, uh, leaves absolutely nothing in the imagination, gets the takedown early, gets that neck crank in, um, this is a guy who, like, the the reason why I like Drikus in this fight is because Sean Strickland can come out, and he can pressure in the first, and he can pressure in the second, and pressure in the third, and keep Drikus backed up and make it look like Drikus has no business being in this fight with Sean Strickland. But over the course of 25 minutes, I feel like Drikus Duplessis is going to hit Sean Strickland with something Sean Strickland's not expecting. Like... The Izzy fight was the perfect fight for him because Izzy relies so much on, like, timing and setting things up and, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this so I can do this and find holes later. He never had that chance against Sean Strickland, constantly backed up. I don't see Drikas taking a backward step, and I think is hits harder. So, it's like, if both guys are trying to bring the pressure, I'm going to lean towards the harder hitter. I could be crazy, but... You know, at, at, as a, you know, plus 114 by the parameters of, of how this game is going, I just see too much value for two points on Drikas. And
1: Strickland, uh, by decision, will probably be sitting around the same marker. So you guys will be matched up pretty much right in line with two points. So it's actually a good strategy if you're going head to head. That way you can match with the strategy as well, too. So I like that. Um, all right. So, you take, so if you've come in with a spot there, then we're going to actually flip it. I'll, I'll have you bring in your next spot, Harrington, oh. and you can take the lead.
2: All right, so I feel like you're sandbagging me a little bit here, CJ, because the one that I texted you before this was like, "Yo, can you find me a line on Mike Malat by submission?" Um, I went back and I looked at Neil Magny's like last few fights, right? And we know, we all know who and what Neil Magny is at this point, right? Like, there was a time where he was on a like what seven, eight fight win streak, went and fought Lorenz Larkin at UFC 200, and it was like that to me was the last real time Neil Magny was a guy right at this point he is the he's the 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 ufc's gatekeeper at 170 right if you can get past neil Magney, you're ready for the big time i see somebody like my, like mike Malat and that guy everything about him screams like big time you know this dude is is 100 ready to 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 make that leap and get into that top 15 and start pushing towards the belt um you look at guys like that who fought neil Magney, shavkot Rachmanov. Gilbert Burns, uh, Santiago Ponzanibio at, at the time, uh, RDA when he was first making a splash at 170. All of these guys finished Neil Magny in pretty spectacular fashion. The only one who let Neil Magny get himself to a decision uh, was Ian Gary, uh, just because I don't think that guy has any confidence in himself, right? He's a guy who stood there after, talked on the microphone and said, you know, I could have gone in there and say, gone after the finish and gone after that highlight reel thing, but I decided to play it safe because the win is what's most important. I don't think Mike Mallott's thinking like that. Mike Mallott has talked openly about being a finisher. Um, you know, and we've seen Neil Magny, last two fights where he's been finished, Shavkot uh, with a guillotine and then Gilbert Burns with the arm triangle. Like, there's something about Magny where, you know, if you're beating him up that badly, you'll find a way to take a neck or take an arm. Um, and I think Mike Mallott is always looking for that. I think he's going to find that situation and get it done so plus 130 i'll take another two points
1: so mike malott at plus 130 my submission tj what do you think about that spot uh i'm
0: i like i like that pick for sure for sure uh i'll i'll go um what's the the line on mike malott uh plus round and a half for under uh the over the over for the over? over over round and a half. I don't know. Neil Megan's pretty pretty durable, I feel like, in the beginning of fights at least.
1: Fair enough. There may be some good value on that line, and it isn't necessarily a bad way to look at it. Cause you know, even if Mike does finish the second round, um, it could be a lot a bunch of lines just actually dropped on that fight plus one seventy. My okay. my uh okay. so yeah, over two and a half plus one seventy, because they don't think it's gonna go over the, the likely the second round. So over two and a half plus one seventy would, would be the, the line. So you're probably gonna be looking at closer to even, probably for over one and a half,
0: yeah. I'll go, I'll, I'll take my, my lot over one and a half then,
2: yeah. So that's two pointer as well,
1: yep. Okay, okay. so um, TJ, I will let you take away so that we've had two spots each right now. Um, if you want to add an extra spot, you can if you had another one in mind. But TJ, let's take a take, add your third spot to
0: the table. Uh, I'll do uh, the Surrey City fight under one and a half.
1: Okay so Siri City already come in and done it once before against Ramon Tavares um you know he's got that length stays outside of range really well and enters the pocket really well and, and just lands um he's done it once already early stoppage or not i mean i think it was inevitable where it was going he drops him gets on top of him it's not his problem that the ref jumped in early um obviously he was holding a Siri City round one ticket but the, the reality the fact is is um, I just think he sleeps in balance better. I think the line's actually pretty decent. I hit it one, minus 161 is one of my plays this week. But uh, yeah, series city is a good spot. So you just want to do straight up money line or you want to do, you want to just do the under, under one and a half. Uh, we'll, we'll do under one and a half.
2: Okay. Let's see what that is. Well, if you combine the two, that's gotta be a two pointer now. So we'll do an
1: SGP with this one and we'll do series city and then under one and a half two as well yeah. too. So I'll write that one down.
0: Uh The biggest thing uh, I see in that fight is, like, obviously, Tavares comes out. He's a gunslinger, this guy. You know what I mean? He comes out hot. He ain't looking to pick pick anyone apart. He's looking to kind of stand there, trade, get his punches off, you know, where I feel like Suri's a little bit more – uh well, quite a bit more technical. And he kind of breaks fights down a little bit. We could see it in the last fight, honestly. Like, regardless, like I said, whatever you want to call it, early stoppage or not, as soon as he found his range, he was able – he had Ramon reaching, and as soon as Ramon reached, he came back with a straight one-two and dropped him. That's it. You know what I mean? I feel like it's going to be very similar. I don't really see it like I didn't. Ramon didn't come out in his next contender's fight looking much different than he than than the first one. He just had a different opponent who was willing to stand in the center and swing with him. So yeah, that's kind of my reasoning behind it.
1: Perfect breakdown on that, man. That was even the real I had put out. It's like somebody played Ramon's game. It set him up almost to get that rematch with Siri um, in Toronto. I think it's one of the safest lines, probably one of the most value money line spots on the on the, on the the card. I think it's just because it's him under the bright lights. It's his debuting fight that they're not giving him that minus 200
2: and minus 220 that he doesn't deserve. Uh, for me, it's, it's between – I have two underdogs on the main card um, that I'm really – yeah, I mean, with with this game, it's it's two points one way or another. It doesn't matter if one's plus one sixty, the other's plus one forty two. But I'm gonna say Arnold Allen, man. I mean, you know, everyone is on this this Mobsar Ivalov train. Um, you know, he's got he's he's got a ton of hype. He's talking to Sneakyo about marrying seventeen year olds. He's got he's got <laughs> the world by the balls, man. Everything's going good for this guy, bro. Arnold Allen is like that. The amount of disrespect this guy's getting because he had a I mean, granted, it was a god awful performance against Max Holloway, but Max Holloway has been making the best featherweights on the planet look god awful for the last decade. You know what I mean? Like literally since UFC 199, when he points at the ground uh, against Ricardo Ramos and is like Ricardo Ramos, and is like, all right, let's stand and bang. From that moment to this, the only guy who's made him look anything close to human is is uh, Dustin Poirier at 155 where he's not supposed to be and and Volkanovsky and he's looked damn good against Volkanovsky in about like you know I would say half the fight time they've had so um I can't take anything away from Arnold Allen you lose one fight against Max Holloway I think if this fight was booked uh before Arnold Allen had the Max Holloway fight I feel like Arnold Allen would have to be you know a slightly bigger favorite like a minus 110 minus 120 I'm not gonna let one fight uh, affect my decision making so much. Arnold Allen has uh, what is it like a a twelve fight UFC body of work and he's lost one of them. Uh, Ev- Eblowab, I think his best uh, opponent in the UFC it's either you know Danny Gay or Diego Lopes and Diego came off the couch right like he was he was a short notice replacement and he gave Eblowab absolutely everything he could handle, nearly submitted him a couple of times. I. I don't know, dude. I just don't see I don't see how he deals with somebody like like uh like an Arnold Allen. So I'm gonna take Arnold Allen. Um taking all two pointers across the board. Two of them hit, I got four points. I'm happy with that. You got any you got any thoughts on the Sean Woodson uh Charles Jordan fight? I know you've been in there with Jordan. Um, but I mean he's one of my favorite fighters in the division. So I just wanted to get a get a sense. Like, is minus one ninety too much?
0: Uh that's what Jordan's at currently. Is minus... yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean Uh, it's tough to say because, um, when I feel like Jordan doesn't do the best against clean strikers, you know what I mean? He's a very technical brawler. Like we watch him against, uh, Nathaniel Wood. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the greatest performance against him. This is a guy who's a very good boxer straight down the pipe. And I feel like Sean, Sean Woodson's very similar to this a lot taller, but, um, I also, when you watch Sean Woodson fight, he, he kind of can get caught with some, some of these loopy wild punches. Here and there as well. So it. I, I think that's like more of a pick em fight, in, in my opinion. I mean, uh, neither fighters great on the ground. Uh, Woodson, uh, I don't think Jordan's going to be looking to take down Woodson or vice versa. You know what I mean? Uh, Woodson has pretty decent takedown defense anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's closer to closer to a pick em fight.
2: Interesting. So there's there might be value on uh on Sean Woodson at up to plus one sixty. He's gonna have to make that
1: ugly early um in order to to sort of rattle Woodson early and not let Woodson get into a long rangey game. Because if he can actually crack him early and pressure him, get him on his back foot, Woodson is, isn't the greatest nail. He will back up and he will start sort of play into the, the chaos and he's not good in chaos. He needs to have that clean striking. So if he can if he can get away with that and keep him at bay initially and sort of lure Jordan into setups. It definitely is uh you know a spot possibly for him there but jordan we'll see man on the ground i know he's getting getting better and better i know see that's another example too a lot of cappers are like jordan on the ground he, look what he did against Gracie. he's a black belt this and that but then if you look at we have laramie here as a high level grappler there's levels and he's talking about it right now
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm certain he's gotten better over the years but uh getting jiu and wrestling are two different aspects of uh of fighting i feel like people have a hard time differentiating between straight up jiu-jitsu skill and uh, just because your submission game has gotten better does not mean um your your wrestling has gotten any better you know what i mean like okay you can land a guillotine off your back maybe a, a triangle or something like this uh to me that doesn't uh that's not a lot of value to your overall grappling game
2: so and then just real quick, what about this uh this Chris Curtis fight? Because I'm seeing Chris Curtis come in here. He had the 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 no contest after him and Emobov had the had the clash of heads. Before that, drops one to Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 287. Mark Andre Barrialt, meanwhile beat Eric Anders and then he beat I think it was Julian Marquez. He had two wins last year. So it's like one guy had a pretty rough 2023, one guy had a perfect 2023. Why is Chris Curtis the minus what is it? Uh minus 180 favorite?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, probably over, I would say in that position, it'd probably be overall competition. You know what I mean? Like Curtis has fought in the better guys overall, certainly, you know, but not, not that he's had great success against the top guys that he's fought, but um, I don't know. Barry was big for that weight though. So compared to Chris Curtis, he's definitely a lot bigger.
1: He's going to have to crack that body. Early as well, too, to try to gas Berio um, and get him sort of take a little bit of mustard off the punches because but has a decent forward pressure. And if he can get you up on the cage and dirty box and and, you know, make mix it up and make it dirty, that's when it's going to be an interesting fight.
2: TJ, sure. how are you going to handle it? Right. If you go three of three. You know, you, you, you pull a strong five points. You've got the, 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 the fighters in the, the, or the coaches, I guess is coach first couch, right? If you've got the coaches in the lead five, nothing and then somebody else comes on and just butchers it the next week, gives it up to to asses like me, and, you know, and then like, it's, it's your team going down. I feel like if <laughs> if you get a clean sweep, you got to come
0: back to defend that. No. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm always down to come back and, uh, Defend that for sure. I mean, the one thing I will say though, is like when it comes to fighters and coaches, there's a lot more emotional betting. I feel like (laughs) than the guys who are on the couch, I will say this. Love
1: that you guys came on. Um, Definitely want to have you both back. Harrington, the reason why I asked you, you're passionate when you talk about fighting and uh, you know, when you're not, um, you know, being pressured by Bisping, who's constantly um, just leaning on you, but I love that. he's What are you doing? He's, actually letting you start to do some of the breakdowns more and talk about the fights more, which is awesome. Um, cause then you get to see that wrinkle on that side to you. So
2: yeah, my forehead, very wrinkly. You're right. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys.
1: Thank you very much. Coach versus the coach. Tune into the don't tap podcast.